This week's podcast is sponsored by the League for the Rehabilitation of Fantasy Villains. From Lord Soth to Bargle the Infamous, Wenger to Verminard, and Vecner to Artemis and Terry. The League promises to rebrand, reform, and relaunch your murderous career into something softer and more suited to the modern world. Hmm... Maybe I should join. I'm more villainous than all of them put together. Which of them made a giant rat colossus, huh? Huh? All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG lockdown talk because we are still in lockdown it is coming up on our third week of coronavirus lockdown and it looks like we're going to get at least another three or four weeks yep. so we get it it's time to get used to this <laughs> uh i am russ aka morris or morris aka russ and with me virtually this week because he can't come near me because of the lockdown is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players, uh, gone but not forgotten. Um, I got to say, like, I wouldn't want to come here anyway. You dirty plague <laughs> monkey! Uh, like, you know, listeners, don't be concerned for Russ's health if you hear him coughing because I haven't quite edited it out. He's just got a cold and hasn't quite got over it. But yeah, it's been months, so it wasn't COVID nineteen. We'd be dead already. No, yes. hopefully not. I don't mean to make light of it, but yeah, we've got to like just keep on going through this because that's what we've got. It's like this is how it is. We accept, we embrace. And what we're going to do now is we're going to geek out because, very excitingly for me, uh, we have the brain behind Harper's Tail, or the guiding mind, as it were, Matt Corley. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Here to talk about his new project, which is uh, oh, uh, the, Devil's, the Devil's City. The Devil's City? Mm. Matt, that's amazing. How many projects are you intending to come out with in one year? <laughs> Way I was too, like, by blown. Way too many. Um, they're actually, it, it's honestly, it's an excuse to get on here and talk to you two. I know that I can't talk to you <laughs> unless I actually me. publish yeah. something. So <laughs> I keep pushing them to get <laughs> on to the podcast. When was Harper's Tale? Was last year, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, we yeah. ended last fall mm-hmm. or late summer. I don't remember. I do anyway. know that it is in final, final edits right now. Art layout's done. I did a second or third pass on art layout yeah, about three days ago. Mm. Um, we will be delivering it a little early. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, so PDF will be out probably in April. Um, yep. Of course, we let the PDF cook for about a month out with the public to grab anything that may have been missed in editing. Um, my editor's amazing, so I'm not expecting there to be much, but, you know, it's 170 pages, so yeah. I would like to have... There's, there's a lot of words in there. Um, mm. Are there lots of pretty pictures as well, Matt? There are a lot of pretty pictures. Um, on, on a scale of one to absolutely stoked, how excited are you about this? Um, chuffed and stoked. Oh, chuffed, chuffed and stoked. <laughs> I'm not sure He's where chuffed, the chuffed comes in the scale. <laughs> Matt, I had no idea you were bilingual. <laughs> I am. I speak both English and British, and American, and American trilingual. Um, well, yeah. So well, the, yeah, uh, the art is gorgeous. Anna Landon yeah. did a lot of it. Um, uh, Kayla, uh, Kayla Klein did a lot of it. We had a couple other folks donate art, and of course, Gwen DB did a lot too. So yeah, it's it's going to be a pretty pretty awesome. Mm. I'm very excited for it. 
Great. Well, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the Devil's City in a bit, but let's do some RPG news first, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. That'll be quick, because there isn't much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Look, you've got to excuse game designers. Designing games to entertain us, because quite frankly, you don't have anything better to do. Do you want to start on the sort of cancellation side of things, or do you want to start on the cool new stuff side of things? Mm, Why don't we mix and match? Okay, start with a cancellation. Origins yes. Game Fair. Yes. Has been postponed. Yes. Surprisingly. Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> uh, so normally it's in June, shortly yes. after UK Games Expo. UK yes. Games Expo, as we know, has been postponed till August. August, yes. Although I'm not... Well, okay. not 100% convinced. We'll, see. we'll see how it goes, man. Yeah. One bit at a time. Go on. Focus, focus. Uh, Origins Game, Game Fair has been a little more cautious than that. They've postponed until October. Yeah, so technically not a cancellation. A postponement. And it's, all, and it's an indoor event, so quite frankly, like, you know, it doesn't really matter about the weather. But anyway, good stuff. All right, give us a piece of good news, Russ. Well, uh, although they have um, postponed the actual physical thing, the actual yes. physical convention, um, they yes. are going to, on the original dates, which would have yes. been June 17 to 21. Yes. They are going to be holding an online convention in its place. Ooh, exciting. Uh, there isn't an online convention. Yeah, there I isn't mean, a lot of information out about that yet. There's literally just one announcement saying, this is the cancellation, this is the new date for the thing, and we're doing this online thing. Okay, I've got myself prepped. I know exactly what I need to do to get ready for this. What I'll do is I'll get a workout t-shirt. I'll do like some really heavy workouts for like the week beforehand, not wash it. And then, for the actual thing itself, I'll wrap it around my face. Bish bosh. Instant convention flare. Lovely. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Can you think of a better way to get like that really heady aroma? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know why you guys are laughing. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I feel slightly that's, that's ill That's probably now. why we're laughing. It's because we yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> i got I to admit, I can't think of anything worse than a convention right at this moment. It depends upon your point of view. If you're a it's like maybe, the best news ever. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Convention at an airport. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah. <laughs> let's, mix, let's put these two together. Come on. Okay, so yes. Online convention sounds amazing. They're going to have special guest speakers. They're going to have, like, what, a symposium still? Possibly. Don't know yet. Don't know. Oh. Uh, the only thing I do know is they do mention they're going to have a virtual exhibit hall where people can demo their games. Yeah. Amongst other things. But I, that's, that's all I know. Oh, sweet, yeah. That's, I always yeah. take me the airfare, so, you know, bish bosh. Uh, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go for some good news now, shall we? That was the good news. Let's try Wrong. that. Better news. Even better there's, news. Some awesome news. better news. Yeah. What? Go Do on, you remember us some... talking about the Border Kingdoms from Ed Greenwood? Yes, yes, that's the... Uh, the I want to say Forgotten Realms, but that's probably mm-hmm. wrong. No, oh, okay, right. that, that, that's Ed Greenwood's, like, OG version of the Forgotten Realms that's bringing to... A tabletop near you. Mm-hmm. Well, it is out. What? Craziness. It is out in PDF, softcover, oh. and hardcover. Yeah. And not only that... How do you have hard, soft and hardcovers on a PDF? Uh, it says on the product description page, it says, an officially approved Wizards of the Coast release, the oh. content is Adventures League legal, and the law contained in the book is official Forgotten Realms canon. So this is technically oh. an official D&D book. Oh, the Victor's League League, we will say. Mm. Marvellous. Marvellous. Anyway. <laughs> so if you're if you, are, if you are a Forgotten Realms fan, 
this is a kind of like a frontier corner of the realms where you can Absolutely. sort of carve out your own kingdom and uh, and there's lots of these like little realms and warlords and dukedoms and all this sort of stuff all kind of vying with each other. Hmm. What's it called? The Border Kingdoms. Border Kingdoms, yes. Border Kingdoms, I agree much. Yeah. Okay. I suspect something expensive is going to happen to me. <laughs> Sorry. I just had yeah. Monty jump onto my lap unexpectedly. Uh, uh, Are you picking that one up then? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm picking up Monty. Uh, but yes, I, I, I suspect I'll also be picking up Forgotten Realms as well. Fair because enough. I have a responsibility to learn about Adventurous League for my club. Okay. You do. <laughs> Something like that, anyway. Hmm. Hey, yes. all your D&D stuff is wrong. It's true. It's wrong. Yeah. You There's only play it the wrong way. You play it the wrong <laughs> way. There's new yeah. Narata out. Yeah, yes, I've seen that. I actually know about this. Oh, oh you may talk about it then, Mr. Coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the first Narata for Zanathar's Guide to Everything, because mm-hmm. that's been like, I don't know, something like three years now before we've actually seen one of those. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. Like most of it, there's a fair bit of tidying up, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty useful. Like things like Mind Spike in the books themselves, it described. It has scaling. It gave the wrong dice for the scaling, so it was like a D six. It was a D eight instead of a D six, something like that. Mm. Um, and it's like it, it was obvious things. Uh, probably most significant changes are the arcane archer, a fighter subclass, now does no longer require, no longer officially requires magic arrows to actually do stuff because obviously a third level character is just rolling in magic arrows <laughs> <laughs> to use their class feature. Yeah, I know, right? Um, bu- 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 and Healing Spirit, which was a spell well-known for its sickening brokenness in <laughs> healing absolutely everyone in your party for, like, 10d6 worth of damage. Sickening between... brokenness, he says. Mate, mate, it's like you're trying to run a game here which relies on resource management. As I says, level 2 spell, everyone's on full hit points. Mm. Or nearest damage. And to be fair, in one of the Adventurers League games, that is basically what happened. We were like... We're severely underleveled for this fight. All <laughs> yeah. of these fights. Oh, level two spell. Back in the game. Love it. Um, as opposed to having to use our healing dice, like some sort of plebeians. Um, <laughs> so, but instead, it's been quite heavily nerfed. So it's like pretty mediocre. It's like two times your two plus your casting modifier number of heals or something like that, mm-hmm. which is like maybe 5d6, 6d6, something like that. It's not. <laughs> it's it's pretty. It, yeah, but it's, pre- it's pretty mediocre, and it's like total dice, not per character. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember the exact details, but it was not great. And Firebolt, uh, amongst other spells which target objects, has been specifically ruled out. Any spell which targets objects has been specifically ruled out for twin spells. Uh, those were the highlights as I understand them. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, that was a lot of detail, Peter. That was a lot of detail. <laughs> It turns out right. I don't, <laughs> I don't, need, I don't need to read it anymore. I'm good. I'm good. No, you, 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 you can if you like. It's like um, there are better ways to do healing spirit, I feel. Um, like maybe cap the healing dice as opposed to connecting it to something. And it's now just really bad for rangers. And player's handbook ranger is a sad, sad creature. <laughs> it's not terrible, but like uh, since they brought out Xanathar's, it's like the player's handbook rangers have suffered. And since they brought out the, what's it, the Unarved Arcana for classes, it's like that ranger in there is brilliant. That is a lot of fun because you don't have those dead levels at one and six. Anyway, that's Peter's D&D broadcast completely. <laughs> 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 
that's our Adventure League update for the day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's the entire podcast over now. That's not two hours done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, see, see you next week, chaps. <laughs> so, uh, would you, would, oh, God, give us give some bad news. Oh, no, I'll give you some more good news. Oh, more good news. What? This is crazy. Wizard of the Coast is giving away free yes. D&D stuff. Yes, it is. It's giving away some Adventures League modules. Yes. yes. It is giving away also uh, an adventure book called Encounters in Avernus, which has 60 oh. short encounters in it. Mm. It's also giving away three colouring and activity books. Uh, colouring books. And it's favorite. also giving away yes. the starter set introductory adventure Lost Minds of Fandelver. Yes, although that is for a limited time, I think, until Probably, end yeah. of April, end of May. Well, I think a lot of this is in response to the pandemic and people yes. being locked at home, and a lot. That's why some of this stuff is kid-oriented with the coloring books. Absolutely. And things like that. Yeah. Yes, um, and they're also doing adventures for Muck the Goblin. Um, uh, okay, that one, that one I missed. What's going on there? Um, it's basically like that same place that they're doing the Adventures League stuff. They're also doing stuff for which is aimed at kids. I haven't looked at it because. I'm not that interested, but it appears to be like there's like little adventures for D&D you can run for kids and it's got a goblin in. A bit like Harper's Tale, but I suspect without the same amazing production values. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect you're right, actually. Yeah. No. But it is a free product, so you got it's got that going for it. Yes. Right. Yeah. You can't really complain about free stuff. It's, uh, it seems churlish. I don't know. Lots it of folks do. Churlish. People well, do. Well, yeah, that, that is There's that a lot of churlish true. people out there. Yeah. <laughs> But not our listeners. Our listeners are awesome, except for that one guy who turned in that one time and said, this podcast is full of news. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, sorry. Anyway, go on. Oh, uh, Anything little, else? Little Pathfinder, little Paizo update. Ooh, so they've announced, because they, they've had troubles with this, the same troubles with distribution channels that everyone else has with Alliance... Um, shutting down and all that stuff going on. Right. Apparently, RPG games aren't a central distribution. Who could have <laughs> foreseen this yeah. of events? Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> but uh, Lisa Stevens, uh, who's the CAO, CAO, CEO. What's, what, what does CAO be? Chief Acquisitions, Chief? Acquisitions Officer. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> so, uh, Chief Adventuring she... Officer. Yes, that's a Chief Adventuring idea. Officer. She's, yeah, she's a chief adventurer. RPG she should totally change her title to that. Yeah, absolutely. Chief adventuring officers for all RPG companies. Well, yeah. Except for Malufius, who can have chief acquisitions officer as well. I think <laughs> that... And they're like, ooh. I know, this ooh, is what I she said. Property. I could possibly. <laughs> she said, while the coronavirus impact has wrought havoc in our industry. Mm-hmm. She didn't say it like this. She said it with like an American accent. Totally different. But you just have to imagine I'm Lisa Stevens when I'm saying this. <laughs> I was, so I'm, oh, good, I, good, I'm, good. I'm there. Uh, okay. She goes on to say, Paizo has made the decision to maintain our monthly product release schedule rather than condensing them into larger releases later in the year. Mm-mm-mm. So they're, they're just plowing ahead. They're going to carry on with the same release schedule. They're also opening the Paizo warehouses yep. on Monday. Oh, okay. Which, which surprised me. That is weird. Um, can't say I'm entirely in favour. Got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the the situation is exactly in Seattle, but I I, I heard it was one of the hotbeds over in the US, wasn't it? Yeah. Seattle and New York actually, being the two big ones. Actually, I think the East Coast is getting better, or not East Coast, West Coast. Oh. I think the West yeah. Coast is actually potentially peaked. 
Oh, okay. Um, right. Actually, last week, I think California, maybe, and maybe Washington State, too. Hmm. I'm still, yes. I agree with you, though. That's still, maybe, hopefully, their warehouse is such that it can be manned by people staying six feet apart. And, oh, yeah, and, it, and it certainly uh, might, and who knows, so. It, it, the responsible thing, I mean, like, it's tricky because you do need to, like, ship some product in order to get paid. It's hard. Uh, so, yeah, it's a tough decision. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they've got PPE, uh, the capability to do social distancing, guess, and hopefully limited so. hours as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I know yeah. I know a lot of their designers are working from home, right? Which yes. obviously makes sense. That's exactly what yeah, they're yeah. going to do. And yeah. um, I'm pretty sure they carried on paying their warehouse staff throughout the two weeks yes. they're off. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's super awesome. So yeah. it sounds yeah. like they're, yeah, it sounds like they're going about all this the right way. Yeah. Like. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, um, hopefully everything's okay. Hmm. I'm just going to see if there is any more news because it is such a quiet week. Is so it? on the plus side, that means it's an excellent time to do a Kickstarter because no one else is. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Timing's fantastic. Yeah. The timing is so good. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Got a captive audience. Everyone's at home. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because, um, you know, Egg Embry does the crowdfunding column on my site. Yep. Yes, and that's the that's the column that we also get the information for the uh, favorite game in the world from. Right. Yes. So he's Big thank you to Egg. Amazing work. Egg does great stuff. He's been reporting so far that there hasn't really been that much of an impact on Kickstarter oh. up until now. But that's because okay. the ones he reports on are always the ones that are ending in the next week. Yep. Mm-hmm. So basically, all the ones he's been reporting on up to now launched oh. before this oh. pandemic became a. Do you know what I mean? Before it really became a proper thing, and everyone wanted to look. The world as you know it. Yeah. Well, I. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, I I looked at those tables, and maybe I looked too fast or didn't have enough coffee. But I believe those were the final ten days of the Kickstarter too, and Mm -hmm. I believe they were flat. And flat's not super awesome, Um, especially on your final Mm -hmm. week. You should. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's the last three days. Really, is the big right. So yeah, I. I think it's I I'm hopeful that that message stays, but I also think it's a again it's a window. It's it's a pretty short window, like you said, and without the context, mm. we have to we have to really think of it in context because, like you said, those most of those started well before this got really weird. Is and again, as no. you said, it's it's a ten day window and they were flat, and so you got to hope that you know they still have that spike at the end. We'll see. Guess we'll find yeah. out in a week or so, won't we? Yeah, as you can see, I I, I read trend data um, for, a, <laughs> for a living at a point to a point. So it was interesting. Yeah. I was glad to see it. Though. I was very very glad to see it. Yeah, I mean, what are you guys doing to keep RPGs going? Has 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 the uh, this lockdown and being confined to a house has that increased or decreased the amount of RPG playing you do? Oh, we've literally just switched our game over because I, I only normally do one game a week anyway, a Thursday night game, yeah. uh, and we yeah, yeah. just switched that over to Skype. And or we tried Zoom last night with the virtual backgrounds, and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. So virtual background, so it's like you there, and then there's sort of like a pseudo green screen effect. You don't actually need a proper green screen behind mm. you, right? No, and not for Zoom. What's yeah? No, no. So. What sort of what sort of effects were we looking at? Well, you can you, you can at? use any image you've got on your computer, any image at all. So I had the back cave at one point. I was floating through space at one point. I was, <laughs> you know, I, I, any, anything you want, as long as you've got the image, it will yeah. use it. Fantastic. Uh, 
that sounds pretty awesome. Um, how about you, Matt? Have you do, do you do a gaming, or is it just too busy writing that? At first? the moment, it's been super crazy busy. Um, a yes. lot of the folks that I game with are, you know, kind of my age, so we're all forties. Um, actually, oh. they're in healthcare and they're in IT. Mm-hmm. They're busy, just like I am, because wow. I'm, in, I, I'm yeah. in healthcare as well. Um, so we're all working enormous amounts of hours. Um, I did tell my friend who literally lives behind my house that we have, we have this like little mini strip of bamboo that's super Mm. thick Mm -hmm. that one of our previous neighbors put in there to hide each our houses from each other. Um, and John usually walks through the bamboo to come over to my house. And I told him, I'm going to go in the bamboo, sit there in a chair and we're going to play Cthulhu confidential where he can't see me. Mm. Oh, Nice. And from the from the other side of the bamboo, and then from the other side of the bamboo, yeah. he's going to sit in the lawn chair. Um, he hasn't responded nice. yet, but I've told him he was going to do it. So we'll make it's like the ultim- to- ultimate GM screen, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so, I don't have to fudge rolls because I I won't even have dice. I mean, I'm just going to sit there. <laughs> it'll be perfect. Um, so excellent. We've tried the online thing too, but again, it's been uh, our schedules have gotten even worse. To be honest mm. with you, but yeah, I think everybody yeah. is moving to uh, lots of folks at Zoom, some Skypers, and some uh, Discord. Um, we had mm, somebody try Discord. Whispers in the Dark via via Discord, and actually, she tweeted it out that first scene of Whisper of the Crowman, and it was actually pretty hilarious um, mm. on Twitter. So nice. yeah, it was. I think folks are baking do, and lots of folks are switching to virtual. They didn't want to. I mean, I think even who is it? Merrick was probably the most well known. Twitter adventure league type person that doesn't do virtual mm-hmm. or never did, yeah. and he did mm-hmm. it. And he liked it. Yeah, have enough. Oh, so if you could convert yeah. Merrick, I think maybe maybe there's hope for this internet thing after all. Yeah, it could have something to do with it. Um, I have been enjoying some exciting features that I've had to pay for, but which have come across very nice, including the option yeah. to have like little special effects appear on the screen. Like, you know, Eldritch Blasts flying around, Sacred Flames blowing was stuff that, up. Is that Roll20? It's on Roll20, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having moderate success with uh, dynamic lighting, which is where you can basically, like, you know, you, what you can see depends upon, like, looking yep. around corners, because you have to do, like, a little bit of work with the map. But it's actually pretty quick. Uh, I just, like, got, sort of went on a deep delve and did a lot of stuff with it. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been helping out with uh, my players and stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty pleased with it. Um, so, so what are you using to communicate? Discord. Uh, yes, we're using Roll Twenty yeah. uh, because this particular player group happens to all have webcams. We're just doing video receive and broadcast only uh, because that helps with the whole making eye contact and like role playing into the camera. And also at one stage, a hilarious visual gag where one of the gnomes. Fell in a gnome fell into like the sewer because obviously there was a sewer. There was a gelatinous cube. It, it was a better choice. I can't blame the little fella. Uh, he went he went diving to sort of avoid being engulfed by a gelatinous cube. And then there's like yeah, just like um a very mort de Arthur like you know there's just this arm sticking up into the air, <laughs> <laughs> holding a sword uh, <laughs> when they went to fish him out. So yeah, that was a that was that was a, that was that was quite good humour. Hmm. Ooh, you just reminded me of something. Did I? What did I remind you of? Well, you said Mort and Arthur, which made me think King Arthur, which made me think mythological figures, which made me think Hercules. Hercules. We showed off Hercules this week. Oh, yes. Uh, the, the sh- or Heracles, if you're a Greek. Hercules, if you're a Roman. Heracles or Hercules. Not, mm. <laughs> what, what did you say, Hercules or something? I don't know. What, what did I say? I don't know. It was not right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh. 
But anyway, um, yeah, we showed him off this week, Woo-hoo. and uh, mythological figures. We uh, yeah, it's coming along, and I cannot wait to get that out on Kickstarter. But it's not going to happen until this lockdown finishes. Until you get bored. For definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been seeing those, and since I have you on the phone, I'm going to ask. So. I like it a lot, which that's not my question. Um, <laughs> it looks like your designers are basically building a character. Yes, they're using character rules rather than monster rules. I love that. I did that at one of my first you know, pro gigs and oh. got hmm. told not to um, because that's not how you do it. And I, yeah. I, I do it more or less still. Um, oh. But I absolutely love that. I thought that was so cool. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, if you want to have a 19th level character, cool. you have one. It's Hercules. Yeah. And I, I think that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I think that gives you so much more stuff to do and so much more utility out of it. So you can throw them in as a NPC or as a pre-gen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you just wanted, say, some kind of elite archer type, you could just grab Robin Hood change his name yep. and there you go you've got a pre-gen they're ready-made completely yeah it out to be an archer it's true i was not expecting it to be built like that i really like it so i i wanted i kept forgetting to tell you that so there you go uh, there will be some in there that aren't though yeah um because okay. we've got some um some monsters and things like dracula is going to be done using monster rules because you can't do that with a uh, with the PC. Yeah, yeah. right. So something, and, and there's going to be a, yeah. There's, I think there's probably about twenty percent of them probably will not be PC builds just because you can't do it. Right. But uh, where we can, we've we, and also things like uh, Achilles invulnerability, yeah. you can't do that as a PC build. So you have to make a little exception. So he's still a PC build, yeah. But he ha- does have that one extra ability, which you just have to say, look, you know, there's no other way to do this. Well, yeah. he has the invulnerable. Just give it to him. What is it? The invulnerable coat of Arnd built into him. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Except See? for the heel. Except for the heel. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, who'd have thought the Achilles heel would come and turn around and bite him? It's just unfortunate. You know, his name was Achilles, wasn't it? You'd thought he'd, he'd realize. Like, right? Must protect my heel. I know his his mom made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> should, should have had a bigger pair of boots. That's all we have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> anyway, you know you said you wanted some bad news. I didn't want some bad news, but I was expecting... <laughs> I don't remember anybody asking. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it was like, you know, hit us with the bad news. I was expecting it, but then you just came up from coming out with good news. Mm. Do you have some bad news, Gillis? I do have some bad news. Uh, are you familiar with an online GM called Adam Kerbel? I think that's how you pronounce it. K-O-E-B-E-L. Oh, Cobell. Or Co- Cobell, and, is it? Um, the guy, he wrote Dungeon World. Mm. Yes. Yeah, he's got um, a pretty big following, actually, between Dungeon World and all the other stuff. Skinny Ghost, I think. Is yes, that's, it. that's that's how I know him, the name Skinny Ghost. So he uh, is a, a fairly oh, popular bro. online GM. Yes. And uh, he is Roll20's in-house GM, I believe, as well. Really? Okay. Uh, and uh, one one of the campaigns that he runs, or should I say now has run, uh, yeah. is the Far Verona sci-fi campaign. Yes. Which has been cancelled. Because mm. uh, there was uh, an... I don't even know how to, how to start talking about this. So uh, It's a sci-fi setting, set in the far-flung future using yes. fate. Yeah. And there's a bunch of different characters... I, I had no idea this thing existed until like last week and then 
um, I watched a couple of videos and saw some stuff. Yeah. So I know bits about it. And one of the characters is playing a very naive robot uh, mm. called, what's it, Johnny or something like that? Johnny Collins being played by the player Elspeth Eastman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, they've had a fight or something. They go along to a repair shop, which Elspeth created, and then the, like, robot repair mechanic starts getting a bit weird and creepy with Johnny and then essentially um, gives them their first sexual experience by plugging something into the back of their neck. Not entirely to anyone's surprise, this did not go over super well with any of the players. And if you watched a clip, of which there are plenty on YouTube, you can, I, I, I very rarely see four people trying to curl themselves up into a little ball mm. as they're all cringing super hard um, while Adam's just laughing away through this. Yeah. Mm. A catastrophic error of judgment. It's like not even close to reading the room. And I believe following that, Elspeth uh, basically was like, I'm sort of done with this. I don't trust yeah, so him. She, she quit like the next day, I think, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And rightly so. I think a couple of your players quit as well. And then, of course, the whole thing got cancelled. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Kerbel, is that how we say we say it? Kerbel? Maybe Kobel? it's Kobel. I think Kobel. it's Kobel. Kobel. Uh, he has made a apology. Of sorts. Um, I mean, basically, he, he he basically said the problem was they didn't have enough safety measures in place to prevent discomfort, which I don't really think is that doesn't quite hit the heart of the matter there, does it? Yeah, like X cards, drawing a veil and so forth. These are measures that one uses in the uh, case that something is coming up that makes you uncomfortable or like starts triggering off bad stuff about you that you can't really talk about. Mm-hmm. It's unexpected. Like, you know, um, if like the idea of being underground and fighting monsters makes you like really tense and worried, then you probably shouldn't be playing a game called Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, so the X-Files might not be entirely appropriate for that. You would hopefully know, well, actually I don't like the idea of either dungeons or dragons. This is a terrible idea. I want to avoid it. But, Similarly, you could play that and have every expectation that there'd be no talk of sexual assault or even things like um, starting off an adventure, you wake up and your house is on fire. Has a has a like a dramatic premise, very exciting. If you've woken up in your real life and your house is on fire, this is a very unpleasant sort of... That's the of start of Neverwinter Nights 2, I believe, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you literally just described... Yes, uh, but I was also going off what someone, because uh, I follow these discussions online because I want to be a really good GM. So I'm like, you know, trying to keep up to date on the latest sort of things. And yeah, that, that somebody said, well, actually, one of my GMs did start an adventure that way. And it was really bad for me because I've had, I've actually lived through a house fire. And it, like, you know, it's all sort of coming back. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to happen. You can live through terrible things and not have it happen to you. But some people, get unlucky basically and have this horrible stuff happen to them i think that's not a unfair description of the situation guys is that about right yeah, I, I i wonder though if some of the folks at least and again i followed it that first day and not yes. a whole lot maybe the second day a little bit but i feel mm. like at least there's two pieces and i think mm. you know adam's apology for what it sounds like basically said that you know we didn't have these 
safety measures in place. That's why it happened. But I think the more valid concern that I heard was that we had no idea that this even could happen. And we had no idea it would go there or could go there. You know, it's something we talk about a lot and a lot. I mean, I've talked about it on a couple Twitch shows that I've run. And it's something I always talk about in my games because my games are always horror. And not always, but often is... Before you even sit down at the table, there's a, you know, kind of unspoken contract of this is what we're talking about or this is what our game is. Um, By the time you get to an X card, especially in a situation like that, you've kind of already you may have already crossed the line that you shouldn't have had to, you know, again. So if those players had no idea that sexual assault was even a theoretical possibility in their game. That I think that that for me is probably it. It's like, you know what? Well, you're playing a robot character. You don't well, true. That's even less. more. Yeah, I'm just going to throw more. that out there as a crazy idea. Maybe right. I chose a robot character because I didn't want to have to deal with any of this, like you know, sex business, and having that thrust upon me is deeply unwelcome. So there is there is an update to this. Yes, yeah. uh, he made a, another apology this time um, on Twitter, which was oh, yeah. a little more thorough, and he also mm-hmm. says he's taking some time off, mm-hmm. uh, and he's going to be getting counselling. Okay. That's it, that's the update. There's no more to it than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I guess, yeah. It's like counselling can help you change if you are personally committed to changing. Mm. If you're not committed to changing, no amount of counselling is going to make you change. Well, I guess, I guess he is if he's voluntarily yeah. undergoing counselling, I guess. Absolutely. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Get the Kickstarter from just the name. Uh, anyway, shall we, shall we now move on to our favourite game in all the world? Yes, we should. All right, then. Uh, I, I'm going to assume you both... Well, I know you do, Peter. You remember how it, how it works, Matt? We're all about the, the Kickstarter thing. Yeah. yeah. Russ, Russ tells us a very vague description and or read straight from the Kickstarter. And, <laughs> and we decide what the Kickstarter is really about. Hmm. Impressively wrong. Um, it's the, the our, favorite game, yes. our favorite game in all the world where Russ gives us the title. We have to guess what Kickstarter is about. Oh, I get back. Yeah. <laughs> we give a wildly inaccurate description based on what we think is the most funny or if the name's really cool. Uh, and we try and outcall the people who've come up with the name. So, yeah, it's a win-win situation. Well, it's backwards. Okay. Well, I, mentioned, I mentioned earlier this comes from Ed Embry's column. Yes. And he does note in this, um, so he reports on 13 uh, Kickstarters this week, uh, all of which are ending in the next 10 days, which is basically uh-huh. what he uses. Uh, he says 10 of the 13 have hit their goal as of when he wrote that column. So it doesn't look like the pandemic is as yet starting to make make kickstarters fail it's more the ones that are starting during the pandemic i think rather the ones that are ending during it i think is where we're going to see that happening i don't know we don't know a few weeks but anyway never underestimate the like i know someone uh from my counseling course who bought a microwave because they were bored yep Um, well we're playing games we're playing games more than ever and that was part of my thought with it so anyway back back to the game back to the game okay best game ever Let's start, start with you then, Peter, shall we? Well, I wouldn't say it's the best game ever. It's like, it's our favourite game. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's our favourite game because it says so in the title. <laughs> our favourite game in all the world, game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you guess what it is from just the name. Peter, are you ready? Yeah, I was born ready. Come on, hit me. What is Capers Off World? 
well, if Capers Offworld isn't science fiction, I will be deeply disappointed. It sounds like it's combining some of my favourite things. It's got science fiction, it's got heists, so it's a collection of adventure scenes for off-world heists involving all sorts of crazy shagans and, let's face it, capers. Because if you don't... Because, I mean, basically, like, a heist has a certain ring of professionalism to it. You know, you expect a sort of Ocean's Eleven cleverly and intricately plotted thing, whereas a caper is basically some schmucks have had an idea and then they attempt to execute the idea before it all goes horribly wrong. Uh, let's face it, that is some of the most entertaining role-playing going. Um, has you, as a GM, sit there go, oh, yeah, yes, excellent. The players are running around screaming, oh, everything's on fire. It's because we set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, so let's see what's about it. Uh, getting a bit excited. <laughs> I, I'm excited. It's called Capers Off World. It is something that intrinsically excites me. Uh, oh yes. Uh, so I'll uh, say it's probably about fifty adventure seeds, uh, and it's like system neutral, but excellent ideas for th- excellent ideas for um, science fiction capers. Mm. Would it surprise you to know that we had the author of this on our podcast a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Yes, it's a word. Do you remember uh, Craig Campbell of uh, Nerdburger Games? And he produced a 1920s era um, gangster game called Capers. Oh, okay, right. So this is the conversion to sci fi. Yes. Marvellous. Basically, it's the same thing using the same system, but um, instead of being 1920s like Chicago gangsters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead, you've... Well, got Tommy guns. Oh, yeah. But it's still like... It still says it's a 1920s sci-fi backdrop, so it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's retro future. Yes, yes. So we've got proper rocket ships where they go up and land on three fins like all rocket ships properly should. Mm. Yeah. That looks really like, good fun. Yeah. Go, well, I, I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I backed it. I backed the last one too. Actually, I already have my hard copy of the last one. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm back in this one for sure. That yeah, great, so great much fun. Guy. Yeah, it yeah. looks neat. It looks really neat. Capers Offworld, Art Deco Space Stations, as far as I can see. That's yes. what I want. Let's do it. Woo. Oh, we're getting another art lecture from you, Peter. Peter's weekly art lecture. Aww. As soon as there's <laughs> some nice art to look at, I shall say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Are you ready? Matt, I'm always ready. One. I'm just sure. trying to decide which of these to go. We haven't got a great deal of choice this week, uh, but I think we'll go with... I don't know if that would be too difficult. Hey, I'm here. I'm, I want to find out. I want oh, let's to do it. Out. Let's do it. Why not? It's... Yeah, that's hardcore. Go on, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to regret this. I know. That's okay. Alien. Oceana. How do you spell that? O-S-Z-I-A-N. A. 5e. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, it is a campaign setting mm-hmm. about underwater adventures um, set in the ocean, <laughs> but it's different because it's spelled different. Um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? I feel like I may have actually seen that cover somewhere. <laughs> is it Wait, 5e? Have... Yeah, I think it's a 5e campaign setting set. <laughs> Set, uh, set set underwater so you can have all the funness with mer mer folks and sahagans and deep ones and hmm. yada yada yada. So it's a deep one. It is a 5e campaign setting. Yeah, I'll take it. 
It's not, it's not set underwater, though, unfortunately. Is it an Eastern European style setting? It is a massive campaign setting. Oh. Uh, setting with uh, sprawling mega cities and rugged wilderness in an era where magical evolution has reached capabilities that mimic modern technology. Oh. So, so totally not Eberron in any way. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, trying not to laugh is uh, immensely amusing. Playable races include Manticores. What? Mologs, which look like Earth elementals. Okay. Isitans, which are like aliens of some kind. Kobolds. Drakians, which look like like dragonborn-y, kobold-y type things. And Kaarthin, a powerful avian race. It's different. I'll give it that. Put the fancy back into fancy. Get a bit weird in there. Mm. Sounds good. Yeah, it's Oceana. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not doing so well. It's not one of the ten that Egg said was reaching its world goal. It okay. has a target of four and a half thousand dollars. Right. It has eight days to go, and it's yeah. currently only at nine hundred and sixteen. <laughs> Oof, that's the case. It's going to struggle with that one. It, it, it might just be a bit too weird. Does that make sense? I think it's just because it's a campaign setting. I think campaign settings are a hard sell. Campaign Unless settings. you've got something, a really strong hook. Mm-hmm. Um, like Odyssey of the Dragon Lords was really good because it was like, this is a Greek-themed campaign setting. And, uh, and we dragon. used to work at Bioware and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a really, really strong hook. Whereas I think, generally speaking, if your campaign setting is... A weird fantasy name and a whole bunch of fantasy stuff. Yeah, I think it's a little, a little, little harder. Doesn't mean it's it's, it's a bad product. It just means it's a harder sell. Um, right. Uh, so that's probably it for our, get, our favorite game in all the world for this week. I just wanted to just highlight uh, one other Kickstarter that I thought looked really interesting. Though. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tales of Arcana, Ooh, the fifth okay. edition. It's a yeah. book of two hundred new races for your five E games, and it's got a lovely cover. Okay. Gorgeous, uh, gorgeous art on the cover. Kind of cartoony art, but really, really nice high production yeah. values. Great uh, looking book. I don't know much about it, other than the fact that there are 200 fifth edition races, but they do include vampires, ghosts, and elementals. Yeah. Oh, it uh, does look also... pretty awesome. It's it's reached its funding goal. Uh, it's got a week to go. Huh. Yeah, they did a great job with the with the Kickstarter page, like showing what the final pages look like, showing off the art really well. Um, I looked up the guy, and it looks like he's a former Watsy guy, so you got a great pedigree. I mean, yeah, they're doing fantastic. They oh, Chris Sims. Oh, I see. It's Chris yeah, Sims. They, they, oh, they I didn't even know. Oh, well, there you go. That, is, that explains it. Is Chris on it, too? I saw somebody else. Did I miss that? Yeah. Oh, someone else. You've got Matt Nickel. Matt who... Nickel. I miss Chris. Yeah, so you've yeah. got. they've got a great team, too. I'm, that's awesome. Yeah. That's super yeah. great. Yeah. Well, no, no, no wonder he's doing well, then. Yeah. Yep. It does. It looks gorgeous. It does. Love the cover. Love the, the, love, mm. love the art. Oh, that is nice. Do you know what? I'm surprised it's not it's not doing better than it is, to be honest. It's got nine days to go, and it's done 20, 23 grand, 23 and a half. That's not bad. I'd take it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's funded, but I could see something like that doing 100 quite easily if it was marketed well. Just, just looking at the Kickstarter, I'd recommend it. Just looking at the Kickstarter without having seen the book, put it that way. Mm, yeah. Just because it looks great. That's $20 for the PDF, so, yeah. 
Uh, how much? How much is it for the hardcover? Fifty dollars. Yeah. Sorry. But that's printed, not POD, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah, that, um, that that's I guess. People, that's drive through RPG. Oh no, no, that's POD. Look. Who will ship from the United States, and this shipping cost will depend on destination. Yeah. So, if it's, it's drive to RPG, then it's, uh, it's yeah. going to be print on demand, isn't it? They they funded already, but yeah, it's like playing, like seeing what the US system decides. They roll their D one D one thousand and see what where your parcel falls on, like the uh, <laughs> customs and shipping's charges. Yeah, and maybe you get lucky, maybe you don't. Who can say? Yeah. <laughs> Captain's log. The USS Epsilon is approaching an uncharted star system. Hopes are high for first contact. Captain, we're approaching the Beta Lioness system as ordered. Good, good. Set a course for the third planet, Helmsman. Yes, sir. Setting course for Gamma Beta Lioness. It has four moons, Captain. Scan them, please. Yes, sir. The fourth moon shows signs of life. Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. Yes, sir. That's the one. Then set the Epsilon in a standard orbit around Delta Gamma Beta Lioness, please, Helm. Yes, sir. Orbit locked in. We're receiving a communication. Uh, who from? The leader of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness, Captain. His name is Zeta. Very well. Send my greetings to Zeta of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. His deputy is with him, Captain. Ah, very well. What is his deputy's name? Zeta, sir. Excellent. In that case, send greetings from the USS Epsilon to Zeta and Theta of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. We're having some language issues, Captain. Would you mind if I translate your rank into their language? Ah, certainly. What is the translation? Kappa, sir. Ah, jolly good, jolly good. Well then, send message from Kappa of USS Epsilon to Zeta and Theta of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. Message sent, Captain. Many reply, Helm? Just the one word, Captain. One word? How odd. What, what, what is the word? I think it's their word for hello, sir. Well, that's excellent news. What is their word for hello? It is lambda, sir. Lambda, huh? Okay, Helm, send message. Lambda from Kappa of USS Epsilon to Zeta and Theta of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. Some interference, sir. Shall I switch to channel Omicron? An excellent idea, Helm. Uh, summarize, please. Yes, sir. Sending via channel Omicron. Message Lambda from Kappa of USS Epsilon to Zeta and Theta of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. I think it's important to be clear in these first contact scenarios. Absolutely, Captain. Reply received. Uh, what happened with it? What does it say? Just running through the translator now, Captain. It appears that their word for welcome is Sigma. Sigma, huh? Yes, sir. Their message via channel Omicron reads Sigma Lambda to Kappa of USS Epsilon from Zeta and Theta of Delta Gamma Beta Lioness. Oh, that's nice. Signal back. Omega. Omega, sir? Ah, uh, yes, Elm. Did I stutter? But what does that mean, Captain? <laughs> Damned if I know. Right then. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Devil City, shall we? Yes, yeah, please. absolutely. Yeah. The City of the Devil. So this is your current Kickstarter, which ends April twenty ninth at midnight. Okay, midnight and Central. it's uh, campaign four. 
your 5e, uh, how to describe it, 5e Cthulhu-esque yes. Whispers in the Dark system. Absolutely. Yeah, so Whispers in the Dark is a 5th edition uh, D&D compatible or kind of uses that skeleton um, game that really has been streamlined by me and MT Black to create oh. a situation or create gameplay that's much more investigative. Now, mm. then we also added horror elements with the Sanity Madness rules I wrote a couple years ago for Lamp's Light. Um, and then also with the horror part, it's really a lot of it's about the writing itself and the creatures mm. and the mysteries and investigations and all that stuff. So Whispers in the Dark, again, is very much a um, kind of a spiritual successor to Monty's book, the D20 called Cthulhu book, which came out like 15 years ago. I, I have a hard copy, actually. So mm-hmm. if you like that type of gameplay, if you watched Critical Role play the Crystal Palace, which was called Cthulhu, and you're like, okay, that's really, really neat what they played, but... You don't have time to play Call of Cthulhu or learn, I'm sorry, learn that system or want, learn a D100 system or you just want to keep playing D&D because you know it. This is a great option for you. And and it is actually a little streamlined, too. So if you don't know any RPGs or you don't know D&D, this is a uh-huh. really low level of entry because we kind of we yes. kind of pulled out two things that tend to be complicated and also tend to actually slow down the game itself. So while you're playing, uh-huh. um, yeah. So the initial thing is we actually pulled out classes. Everything's backgrounds yeah. and occupations, which if you're a Cthulhu player, if you play an RPG that's set in kind of a real-world setting, you're familiar with that. It's occupations and backgrounds is really what you typically mm-hmm. do instead of classes. Um, we also switched up spellcasting quite a bit. Um, there's no spellcasting in Whispers, but MT just presented or just published a book, The Investigator's Handbook, that does have spells in it. And spells are mm-hmm. rituals or like one, ten minutes. I mean, they're not combat. Yeah. So while you're at the yeah. table playing, we don't have to sit there and look at each other and like, all right, so what spell am I going to cast and spend five minutes on it or think about all our different casting and all of our different mm-hmm. class abilities? So that brings that level of entry down a lot. Um, and again, we kind of focused on with Whisper's uh, 1870s New, uh, New Orleans, and with the Kickstarter we have now, which is The Devil's City, um, it's two books. Yeah. So Devil City is a novel, or novella, actually, mm-hmm. written by myself and Sarah Tantlinger. Sarah's a Bram Stoker Award winner. She's got some serious writing chops. She's actually a finalist again this year for a different book. And Horror in the Windy City, which is the RPG book, which is a campaign setting in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so both books take place in 1850 through 1899. And again, you know, if you if you're someone that's played a lot of non D and D games or even some D and D games, you probably Ooh. or you might remember those old city source books, World of uh, World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness had some fantastic ones. Cthulhu, of course, has some Onyx Path. I guess that's World of Darkness, Call of Darkness, or Call Chronicles of Darkness. Um, but you know, it really is a Chicago source book for the late 1800s and then at the end of the book we have some new rules of course we'll have a dm section to kind of expand on what you have in the quick starter and then we also Mm -hmm. have a mini campaign and a couple one shots so it's got a lot in there and again if you've read the old cthulhu and world of darkness source books where you get half your book is your setting and then the other half Mm -hmm. of your book is your adventures it kind of feels Mm -hmm. like that okay Mm -hmm. makes sense so this is sort of set around, uh, so we've got the, uh, what's it called, the World's Expo, the World's Exposition of 1893, and that was in Chicago. It was. I'm yeah. not super familiar with this. I've heard of it, but I'm not super, super oh, familiar yeah. with it. That, that was like a really big deal, wasn't it? It's yeah. Like people, oh, it was a like huge deal. Countries from all around the world came to 
say, hey, look at our stuff and how cool it is. Right. But mm. I think that's about the size of it, yeah? Yeah. And so what happened was the World Exposition of, I think, 1891, the one before this was actually in Paris. Mm-hmm. And you may have mm-hmm. heard of their main attraction by uh, the Eiffel Tower. And so (laughs) Chicago, when they got it, there was an enormous amount of pressure by them because this was the first time it went across the seas. And so it's in America and in Chicago, lots of cities fought for it. Chicago got it. But the thing is, is how are we going to top Eiffel? And they did actually, because this was actually the first place of the, or the birthplace of the Ferris wheel. And the Ferris wheel was ginormous. Um, yeah. And so the stories, though, so it was a very, there's a lot of really interesting things that happened in Chicago in the late 1800s, because again, it went from a couple thousand people, literally like from a village to a half a million in less than 50 years. And mm. a lot happened. Um, a lot of weird stuff, which we get into because we did take a pretty, we did a lot of research to make sure there are, it's historically accurate as it can be. And really the crux of the book of the novella is H.H. H. Holmes. Um, H.H. Holmes was America's first serial killer, and at some point, and some conspiracy theorists felt like or believed that he is actually Jack the Ripper. Yes. So would that have been post-Whitechapel? Yes. Yes. So Jack disappeared and showed up in Chicago, is, is, is the theory, which has been disproven. But it's a really neat idea, and it's a really neat story. So H.H. Holmes happened at this time, and he actually used a lot of the... Um, kind of the chaos and the crowds of the World's Fair to to cover his murdering and cover his murder spree, his serial killing ways. When he was captured, he confessed to 27 murders. Um, Period accounts say that it might have been as much as 200. Mm. And with the 200, the way that that was kind of done was he actually owned a city block in Inglewood, which is a neighborhood or area of Chicago, and he had a hotel. The World's Fair Hotel, which is also kind of one of the ways, is one of the big pieces in the novella and a big piece in the RPG as well, is Mm. called the Murder Castle. And he would lure people into his hotel, and it was like, you know, kind of almost like a real world saw type thing. Yeah, this this really happened. All this really happened. Is is this the, like, hotel, and it's full of, like, dead ends and doors that go yep. nowhere and it's one like, of them yeah. yeah so like america horror yeah. story hotel yeah. was that two seasons ago or whatever it was that's actually based yeah. loosely on this so i mean mm-hmm. he had he had a body shoot a shoot that went from the third floor to the basement to do get rid of bodies he had yeah. rooms that were gas chambers he had a walk-in mm-hmm. vault that was also a gas chamber he had so uh, basically the hotel was a gygaxian dungeon yes Actually, yes. Maybe Gary wow. went back in time um, yeah. and helped to design this. Maybe this was a, a later version of the Tomb of Annihilation. Um, so, yeah. So, it's a really interesting thing. And it's mapped out. There's art everywhere. Um, and what I the novella, part of it was we wanted to introduce five characters. And that's what the novella covers. So, these five characters are followed, stalked, captured, experimented on by Holmes. Mm-hmm. And the novella does fine by itself. Actually, it sits really well by itself. But if you buy the novella, if you have the novella, which is in the e-versions included in almost everything, um, you then have the opportunity to play a mini campaign. Or you have it anyway. Mm-hmm. But the novella mm-hmm. actually introduces the pregens from the mini campaign. And so in the mini campaign, mm-hmm. you wake up in Holmes's basement as a fugitive and you now take their role. So you have this horror book where you're like, okay, these people are being victimized and tortured and whatnot. 
but then you can take their role and you can help them escape or you can help them, you know, get even or do whatever it is. So you almost kind of take that, that video game approach where you're actually into the story. Hmm. Yeah. So how dark is it then? So the book's pretty dark. Um, I, it went darker than I intended and it went darker than I typically do because Holmes is a pretty awful person um, mm-hmm. and approach things very clinically and detached. And so we were actually talking about that last night and I, you know, I'm in the medical field and I have seen these things happen on like a, a in like physiology lab, you know, in some cases. So it wasn't on real people, of course. Um, but I mean, he looked at people like they're rabbits. And so he treated right. them that way. So the book actually has some very gory and pretty dark spots. The RPG. Mm-hmm. So the setting material is, isn't super dark. I would say, you know, you can make it obviously the, the darkness of your campaign as we kind of already alluded to, the DM controls that 95%. I mean, really, yeah. regardless of how what's written on that piece of paper, the DM is the one that can turn that up or down um, as mm. much as they want. So in the RPG, the mini campaign, it, it's got it's probably PG-13-ish. Um, but again, it's not going to describe things in detail, again, outside the novella. But it's certainly insinuated. I mean, there are vats of mm-hmm. acid that he used. I mean, it's, it's, it's historically accurate as much as it can be based on, on the setting. Uh, or based on mm. the period accounts. So again, it's not like we made this stuff up. Well, obviously, we made some of it up, but we didn't make up the most, yeah. the bulk of it. So it, it's not for little kids, of course. I'd say the bulk of yeah. it, the adventures themselves, at least the two, the campaign is going to be probably closer to a PG thirteen ish. There will be one shots right. as well, and those will be a mm-hmm. lot. Those will be more just kind of like regular D and D type stuff, where or not, yeah. not. Mm. Audience-wise, age-wise, they'll be, you know, whatever that is, mm-hmm. 10, 12 up, which I think is what D&D says they're good for anyway. I think is 12. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, again, it's very investigative, too. So you don't have to make it super dark if you don't want to. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, we've, yeah. I know the three of us have all played Cthulhu. Yeah. On one hand, you're like, it's this super dark idea humanity's, you know, meaning, or not meaningless, um, is insignificant, all this right. stuff. But at the end of the day, not ever. it's the scenario itself, it's the campaign. Yeah, like a World of Darkness or a Chronicles of Darkness type thing as well. I see you've got um, maps of the hotel there. Are they based on original plans of the hotel, or is that is that something you came up with yourself? So, a little bit of both. So, the first floor of the hotel was actually relatively well documented in period accounts um, because it was open yeah. to the public. Now, so the second, third floor, and the basement were really based a lot. You know, at that time, the it was the biggest storm. I mean, it was literally the story of the century in the u.s and it it got worldwide attention which in the 1890s is kind of a big deal but what happened was a lot of the newspapers that had printed out maps actually just printed them out without ever going there and based on kind of accounts and you know kind of quote-unquote eyewitness accounts so there's a lot of discrepancies right and a lot of supposition so what we did is toby and i we read everything i gave him a huge list of stuff that i had read and he used that but we took some liberties, of course, because one, there's probably no such thing as a historically accurate map of that. Um, but we made sure we kept all of the big pieces that were consistent, you know, like the acid vats, the kiln that you can actually put a body in, right. all that yeah. stuff. And of course, we also had to switch it down to be an RPG map because the hotel took up a block, mm. a city block. Wow. So it was, yeah. yeah so that's, a, that's massive. It's a massive hotel. So yeah, all four maps are in there, though. They're super cool. I love them. Um, Toby does such a good job with maps. 
Can you talk a bit about mechanics then? I see you've got a section on mechanics in it. Uh, so for 5e players, what, what mechanically are they? What, what mechanical goodies are we looking at here? Yeah, so if you're a Whispers in the Dark, if you've already played Whispers, we're still expanding it. You know, MT went ahead and put out the uh, the Investigator's Companion a couple of weeks ago. Um, him and I are both um, independently and then also together working on um, additional books constantly. We want to support this a lot. I mean, almost like Rob did with... Um, Shadow of the Demon Lord with always getting stuff out there. And so for mm. this book specifically, we're adding a new ancestor, we're adding Chochos. We have new backgrounds. I only have five, I think, on the Kickstarter that I wrote. By the time we're done, I'll probably have about seven more backgrounds. And again, backgrounds are kind of our equivalent of class. Um, you differentiate right. your characters with feats, mostly. And so I've added, I don't know, so far I've got about ten feats. I'll probably add another five or so. Um, and then the new alignment system, which, again, this is actually not specifically Whispers. I actually wrote it for um, Infinite Black, the dice company, because they have an RPG that they're going to be publishing um, at some point. And, you know, they let me take it and put it into the Whispers books. Um, so that's another mm -hmm. big one, too. And the alignment system is very, very nuanced. Um, it's not lawful good. It's not chaotic evil. It's a lot of right. things. And I actually posted the entire alignment system as updates to the Kickstarter for public. So if you want to read it, please do. Lots of good feedback on that. Um, but again, it, it's fairly rules light because um, I want the focus and what we want is the focus to be on the players playing and the players mm -hmm. working their way through the story and working their way through the mystery. Because, you know, D&D &D is hor it's heroic fantasy. Honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of folks play it as... I only want to get to level two because I want to be stronger than I was at level one. And right, I right. want to get to level 10 because I'll have a plus two sword. And so it's really almost a video game type experience for some folks. A lot of folks don't do this, but again, some folks do where it's really about the personal power that the PC has. And that's yeah. the focus. Yeah. The focus is on the PC's personal power. And in this game, the focus is more about the PC's interactions with the other PCs and with the world and solving the mysteries and learning all the things that are going on. Mm. Yeah, I mean, okay. basically, it's, you know, taking a, a strong page, not just out of Call of Cthulhu's kind of atmosphere and setting, but also the way you go about playing the game. It, it really is. And I, you know, I love Call of Cthulhu. I absolutely do. Yeah. I have written for Chaosium. But there is an opportunity, or at least I felt there was a niche for all the D20 players out there yeah, that absolutely. wanted yeah, to play yeah. it. And I recommend Call of Cthulhu to everybody and anybody that will listen to me. But at the end of the day, I, I felt there was a niche here. And this is a game I know how to play. I know these mechanics really well. And it's the style of writing that I enjoy. And so, <laughs> you know, this is kind of what, what we did. I mean, it really literally came up. I think we talked about it once with Lampslide. It literally came up because my players didn't have time to learn D100. And so... I use my time to write a mm. D20 game, a D&D &D 5e game that emulates that experience. And that's where the sanity is sure. too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super flexible. You know, we will eventually have a version, and by eventually I mean next year, an all-ages version called Zoinks, which is Scooby-Doo. Mm -hmm. The engine can nice. do it. I mean, that's the thing. is you, you take out the sanity rules and you change the writing, and it's uh -huh. easily, it'd be fun. It'd be so much fun for an eight-year-old because it's actually a really simple game to play. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm just looking at some of the world building you're doing here as well. So you, how, how much of Chicago, or nine, what was it, 1880s, you say? 1850 to 1899. 1850s. Uh, how, how, much, how much of Chicago did you manage to squeeze into this book, given the fact that you've got an entire adventure in there and a ton of mechanics? Mm. So, so the mechanics are only going to be about 
maybe 10 pages. So it's not too bad, mm. actually. Okay. Mechanics yeah. are light. Yeah. The adventures, again, will QS up. Oh, sorry, that's the pharmacist talk. Um, we will add page up to make room for the adventures as needed. But mm-hmm. I am guessing right now we'll have between 30, maybe 40,000 words of, mm-hmm. of setting. And, you know, for people that don't know what that really means, you know, with the art and the way I do layout, mm-hmm. that's about 80 pages. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it will actually be half of the book. And it's fairly system agnostic. So you can use it if you want to play a RPG, period, in Chicago in the late 1800s. This mm-hmm. will help. Um, yeah. Each section will have scenario hooks, which is something, you know, I did it with Tales of the Margrave. Other folks do it on their games. I didn't invent this, but. You know, you'll have a little paragraph, or you'll have a section, and then you'll have three, four, five sentences that say this is a scenario hook for you to just take and run with for the GM. Yeah. And they're, again, pretty system agnostic. Um, and it's historically accurate. I mean, we start with the timeline. Uh-huh. We then go to the different neighborhoods. We then go to the difference. Um, then we do some... Um, Set, lo- like specific locations like University of Chicago. Then we go to major figures from history that are there. Nice. Then, like organized crime. Grant Ellis is actually going to write a section on organized crime. Um, oh, okay. We then go to the different, you know, I, my, my alliteration love. We'd go to a section that's cults, cabals, coteries, and clubs. Uh, <laughs> which is historically accurate, actually, in a lot of cases. Like the Whitechapel Club was a real thing in Chicago of reporters mm. that just thought Jack the Ripper was the coolest thing ever and were very macabre about it. And they were Ooh. real. Jack the Ripper. I've never heard Jack the Ripper called cool people. They were fascinated by him. So, again, it's a lot. A part of me, I, I want it to be somewhat historical fiction, you know, almost like what Chris did with Harlem Unbound. Um, mm. And a couple other folks have done it. Chris is one I always think of because I, I love that book the most. Um, mm. Mm. But again, I want it to go show that you can read. Actually, Octun Cthulhu did it maybe the best because if you read Octun Cthulhu, Octun mm. Cthulhu, you knew World War Two. Was it two? two? That's how bad I am now. Yeah, so you actually knew World War Two. From the European standpoint, yeah. actually, that was that was like a history book that was fun to read. It was really weird, mm. but anyway. So, so yeah, that's that's where we are. What have you got sort of planned beyond this? Because it sounds like um, your whole whispers in the dark thing is bringing off quite a few different bits and pieces. Is, is this is this is this the you know are we talking a, a, a long ongoing line of stuff that you've got planned? We are, oh. we are, and so this was something that's very important to me, um, and then also to MT as well is that we support this and we support this for a oh. long time. Mm. Um, I turned down work this year uh, for freelancing oh. to do time for this. You know, obviously not my oh. day job because mm. that pays my bills and feeds my kids. Yeah. Uh, but I did. I turned down two books to create time for this because I wanted to because I want to do a couple different things I do want a couple more novellas and I do want many many more whispers in the dark settings um, books you know mm-hmm. that's a real passion project for you it, it, you know it is it, it yeah. really really is and it's kind of like Rob Schwab which I, I mention Rob every once in a while because the shadow of the demon lord uh-huh. Rob has a shadow of the demon lord something at least once a month I mean and it uh-huh. might be a broadsheet which is something we're doing so with whispers you know, I have this, we'll probably do two Kickstarters a year, which I can't believe I'm going to do it, but I will, maybe a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but at Drive Through RPG, just straight to Drive Through, we're going to do broadsheets, which will be 
thousand, fifteen hundred words. And it'll be a relatively mm-hmm. specific thing, but maybe but it'll be just straight for, you know, either a player or a GM, depending on what it is, and just and they'll be cheap. They'll be a buck fifty or something like that. So mm-hmm. so we're constantly adding small bits and pieces of content. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. We have the Crowman, which is the adventure from Whispers. The second one is done but we're going back into it and going to make some changes because we've decided the crowman is more of a saga so it's not going to be one or two adventures it's probably going to be three four five so my goal Mm -hmm. is to have something every month something and then to have a actual book probably every probably two a year Um, that's a tough release schedule and you gotta do like compendiums as well yes yep exactly yeah the next one's actually already kind of started as well um I'll separate the novellas out, I think, moving forward. Yeah. But we will have a core mm. book by the end of the year, and we will actually be moving the timeline up so that you can play Whispers anywhere from 1850 to 2020. Wow. Mm. Are you going to be expanding the geography as well? Oh, gosh, all? yes. Yes, yes, mm. yes. So the next book will be in probably Baltimore. Mm-hmm. will be a city that we'll do. The one after that is going to be in the south, in the deep south. Um, we already have mm-hmm. New Orleans, of course. We have Chicago now. Deep South one might be kind of a fictional one, or I may pick an actual city. I haven't decided yet. Um, mm. But I would love, love, love to have something Montreal or Toronto. Actually, those are two mm. really, really neat cities. I would be happy to do anything in Europe. So if somebody wants to pitch me a book, I'm happy to listen. Uh, I think Paris could be fun. I think so, too. And I, I, the reason why I focus on the U.S. is, one, I am in the U.S., but mm. most of the investigative horror games actually don't do a whole lot in the U.S. You know, every once, oh, while, yeah. they'll hit a, every once in a while they'll hit a big city on the coast, but the Deep South mm. is completely ignored. And Appalachia oh. is crazy weird uh, in yeah, real life. I, I guess kind of London gets a bit overserved. <laughs> And it, in, in that in that genre, doesn't it? It, it does, and rightfully so. And those books were fantastic. So I kind of wanted to go to new places in different places. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm yeah. happy to hear a pitch from anybody that says I really want to do X. I've tried to get somebody to send me a Toronto slash Montreal one. Do you know what you want to do? I think you want to put out a call for Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> Late 1800s Milton Keynes. That would be quite hard to do. Peter just froze. What? (laughs) No, he didn't. No. No. I've read a very good short story set in Milton Keynes. It was about concrete cows. Um, (laughs) Well, there's a lot of concrete cows in Milton Keynes. I guess. Now you know. When was when was Milton Keynes built? Oh, I don't know. Like this, like last century. uh, Super new. It's it's middle of last century. Sometime, yeah. Yeah, Um, (laughs) Full of roundabouts. So, so, so many uh, yeah, a couple. I mean, so I don't forget because I always do. And yeah. So the authors that I have, I have very, very. I I feel like they're very good, very high quality authors. I have two professional oh. screenwriters oh. Um, from Hollywood. Um, I have Chris Tom and I have Matt Young. Um, mm-hmm. Matt writes for Blindspot, which is an NBC show. Chris writes for. I mean, Chris has actually wrote, written a lot of comedy. Actually, like Reno Nine One One. He's on a Nickelodeon show right now that my daughters watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Um, Kat Evans, who did Altered Carbon. She's working with Werewolf now for Onyx. She's, of course, working with me. Um, I have Grant Ellis, who most folks online know Grant. Grant has done a little bit of everything as well. Oh, and we also have Celeste Conowich, who's a DM Skill adept, who's going to be doing some sections too. Um, and again, the art as well. I mean, the artists that I have are folks that are well, they may not be familiar to you if you're in the RPG side. Um, and probably aren't, but if you're a horror fan, 
you know who they are. So like right. Daniel Sarah did some, he actually did the picture in the murder, um, the murder scene in whispers. And then he did all the kind of the watercolory ones. Um, Daniel is a award-winning artist um, for covers. We mm. have Sam Araya, who's also an award-winning artist for his colors and his mythos work. Uh, Francois Valencourt did a lot of work. Francois just did a book for Stephen King. Yeah, so it's, again, it's the quality and the production, that's what I also, I know that we all kind of struggle with that, all the third-party folks, and even me even more so maybe because I'm so new with it, is that folks don't realize that if we put in the effort, and I know that we do, um, we can produce books that have at least the same quality as Watsy. You know, yeah. I, like, you know, Russ, your books, I think Cobalt's books, Sandy's books, um, all these quote unquote independents. Um, mm. You know, I actually see quote, I see uh, the last, the last two books from Watsy have not been super well received from a consistency layout perspective and internal challenges with some of the way things were written um, because they have such a huge team. And, you know, it's stuff mm-hmm. I literally saw somebody post the other day. It's like, I wish Watsy would look at these independent people that are having much more cohesive writing. And again, it's easier for us because it's two or three people doing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're probably using the same layout artist. Yeah, for, for it's a lot dialogue. easier yeah. for us yeah. to do it in some ways. But my point is, is that our books, look, if you held one of our books up to Saltmarsh or up to... Wildmont or something like that, our books look as good and are as high a quality. Mm. And I think that's a a big challenge is us getting the eyes on things. Mm. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on again, Matt. I think it's your third time. It's been an absolute (laughs) pleasure. Looking forward to your fourth time, which I'm sure will come later this year. Of course. You're welcome on any time you've got something to share with us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I agree. I can cut. I always have In favor of this plan. More Matt Corley. Absolutely. I have fun with these always. So, yeah. I, I enjoy it tremendously. I, I enjoy the conversations and I enjoy doing the book. So, it's always kind of it's Thank a good you. thing. Thank you so much. Right. Let's sign off then because I think that's it for this week. So, uh, next week we have got Mark Langworthy coming on who's going to talk about Devil's Run and maybe a little bit about 2000 AD Rogue Trooper and Strontium Dog as well. Okay. If we can squeeze those details out of him, which I'm sure we can because I'm his boss. Ah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we should get a wine press, but that would also work. <laughs> <laughs> but until then uh, thanks for listening it's goodbye from me Russ that's goodbye from me Peace Coffee from the Southampton Guild Rolfers and it's goodbye from me Matt Corley apparently I now have to read this to you this is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news which you can find at enworld.org You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.